Leslie on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. I wish Mike Brown would have hired Urban Meyer last year when he moved away to be his uh, football yeah, spend yeah. Let him go yeah. build it because yeah. he can build programs. I mean, you know, and Urban's smart enough. And here's the other thing about Urban. I hated that. Digress or regress? I, I hate to digress back. You're, you can digress. You're not regressing. Okay. Talk about urban. All right. I hate, I, hate, I hate to digress going back to this. No, 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 no. It's never bad to talk about Urban Meyer, and uh, we'll prove it to you today because uh, we're going to talk about Urban Meyer. Good morning, everybody. And I do mean morning. It is uh, 12.52 a.m. in Ohio, just after, what would that be, uh, 11 p.m. here in Arizona, site of the... Fiesta Bowl College Football Playoff Semifinal. It is a Friday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Merry Christmas, post-Christmas to all of you. Hope you all had a great Christmas. Mr. Spielman is in New Jersey for the Giants and the Eagles. I think it's New Jersey. Maybe maybe that game's an Eagles game. I know he's got the Eagles and the Giants, and I know if the Eagles win, they're in the playoffs, and he was excited about getting that game. But we're all excited, aren't we, for football this weekend? Yes, we are. We should be. Because uh, before we get to that NFL game, uh, we got a heavyweight championship battle that's not a championship battle. You can't play for the championship unless you win against Clemson on uh, Saturday night, unless you beat Ohio State if you're Clemson. Uh, But it's not a championship game. It feels like a championship game to me. I know the teams are ranked two and three, but man, oh man, the uh, everything from the thirteen and zero records to the All-Americans on both sides of the football, to the quality of the players, to the future NFL careers that these guys have in front of them, from uh, just the sight they were to behold today at the Camelback Marriott, the official media headquarters of the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, This is a monster, monster matchup. It feels like uh, Ohio State-Miami in 2002, where that uh, Sun Devil Stadium, that Fiesta Bowl, was filled with NFL players who would make their mark over the next decade. I think in five years we're going to look back on this game and think, wow, uh, some perennial all-pro player is the guy that we didn't even know about going into this game because that's how deep these rosters are. That's how well they've both recruited. And what's going to play out on uh, Saturday night at uh, State Farm Stadium, formerly University of Phoenix Stadium, it's a mystery to me. I really don't know. I really don't have a handle on this one. Uh, but I do have two things that I'm curious about, and both of them stack up in Ohio State's favor. I guess I should add that I have a third thing, now that I'm looking at my notes, a third thing that I'm curious about, and that one definitely does not stack up in Ohio State's favor. So let's start with the two things that I think bode possibly bode well for Ohio State. They're, cl- they're questions I have about the Clemson Tigers. And number one is, while we all are wowed by Justin Fields' 40-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio by Chris Olave, Austin Mack, K.J. Hill, Garrett Wilson, Benjamin Victor, on and on and on, and all the weapons the Ohio State Buckeyes have out wide, you know from listening to the Spiel and Hooley podcast, from watching the Buckeyes all season long, that they can absolutely maul you with an offensive line that's big and physical and nasty. And J.K. Dobbins, who has had one of the most under-rewarded seasons, I'm not going to say underappreciated because I appreciate it, you appreciate it, 
Buckeye fans appreciate it, and I think people across the country appreciate it. But he just JK happened to come along. I wrote about this the week on uh, this this week on si.com backslash college Ohio State uh, site. JK came along in the Big Ten at the exact same time as Jonathan Taylor, and Jonathan Taylor created a better first impression. It's not that J.K.'s first impression wasn't a great first impression. It was. 1,000 yards as a freshman. That had rarely been done in Ohio State history. I think it had only been done twice before and was not done by Archie Griffin. So Maurice Claret, Robert Smith, the only guys to do it, J.K. Dobbins did it. And J.K. Dobbins is right now, after three years, the only guy to gain 1,000 yards his first three seasons at OSU. Uh, so it's not that it's been underappreciated, uh, but it's been under-rewarded. And they are very capable uh, of running J.K. Dobbins 35, 40 times in this game to get past Clemson. Uh, Clemson's strength on defense is in the back seven. So um, if you don't want to go against that best part of the Clemson defense, then if Ohio State's offensive line is capable and you can turn the game over to them, then do that. And that's where I have a question about Clemson. Can they stop Ohio State from running the football? Because no offense to the guys they have up front, they're not the guys they had up front the last time Ohio State played Clemson, and they're not the guys they had up front last year when they won the College Football National Championship. Three of them went in the first round of the NFL draft. Another one went in the fourth round. You're not going to be as good up front if you lose talent like that. You're just not. So that's one question I have about Clemson is can they block Ohio State, uh, you know, can they handle Ohio State's blocking offensively? And I misspoke. Uh, can they block Ohio State? That's my other question about Clemson is can their offensive line block Ohio State's defensive line? Now, I got to tell you, I don't have as big um, a thought that that might be an edge for the Buckeyes as some people do. And the reason I don't, it's not that I, I value the ACC and the schedule Clemson's played. I don't. You'd have to be a crazy person to do that. But here's the thing. Clemson starts four seniors on the offensive line, all of whom started last year, all of whom have been the backbone of this 28-game winning streak that Clemson brings into this game. And you can say, well, you look at that ACC schedule, Bruce, and they didn't play anybody. They never played a good pass rush team all season, and I can't argue, but they played Bama last year, and they played Notre Dame last year, and they beat them by 27 and 28 points. So they've played, these guys have played good teams. They've played in big games. So those are my two questions. Can Clemson handle Ohio State's offensive line blocking for J.K. Dobbins, and can Clemson's offensive line block Chase Young, Robert Landers, Devon Hamilton, Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, you know, Tyler Friday. They're coming in waves. You know it. Ohio State pass rush. That is the number one pass rush in terms of getting to the quarterback all season. Clemson allows one sack a game. One. So if you're on the first series and you sack Trevor Lawrence, that's a big momentum advantage for Ohio State. Maybe you get start to get Clemson looking over their shoulder. Okay, so those are the two things that I question about Clemson, and it could, in, in my opinion, tip the game in Ohio State's favor. Here's the thing with Ohio State that, honestly, I think we all have a, a sick feeling about this one, and that is Tuesday when Justin Fields answered questions from the media for the first time, he was remarkably candid about his left knee, that he injured against Penn State, that he re-injured against Michigan, that he wore the big, heavy, clunky lineman's brace to protect against Wisconsin. Justin Fields was remarkably candid. It hasn't progressed the way I hoped it would. It's 80 to 85%. I'm hoping it's getting better, but I don't know. So 
today, well, it's not today because it's today for me because I haven't gone to bed yet. It's not today for you because you're up and Adam and on your way to work and we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Thursday at the official media day, Justin Fields is asked about the knee eh, 48 hours after he said it hadn't come along like he wanted it to. And he shuts the questions down and he says he shuts the questions down because the coaches have told him not to talk about his knee. Okay, so I have uh, a couple of friends who said to me, ah, it's gamesmanship. It's Justin Fields is throwing a big Trojan horse at the Clemson defense. Uh, no. Uh, first of all, I don't think Justin Fields would uh, lie openly. He's too good of a kid to do that. Number two, he's not that good of an actor. He's not Jack Nicholson, okay? Because that was the greatest acting job in history if he was you know, telling a, a fib to get Clemson thing, he's not going to run. He comes out there and, whoa, he's as good as he was against Florida Atlantic. And the other thing is, your eyes don't lie. You've seen on Twitter, if you like me, you've been to practice, you've seen Justin Fields not moving like he can move. Now, I mean, he's wearing a big brace, so maybe you can't move like you normally move in the big brace. He says he's taking the big brace off for the game, but it would really, really stink if Justin Fields got re-injured in this game and he had to leave the game. Because I want to see best on best. I don't want to see this. You know, I mean, when when two great heavyweights fight, you don't want to see the fight end because one guy gets cut. You want to see the fight end because somebody gets knocked out. And I don't know who's going to knock out whom. I could see this game being uh, 24-20. I could see it being 38-35. I could see it being... 47 44 I mean I seriously I could uh maybe Clemson's fast enough up front to handle Ohio State's uh run blocking and Ohio State will have to throw it and they'll throw it well and Clemson will throw it well and we'll just be scoring all night long I don't know I don't know but I think you know three four five plays are going to decide this game and uh and each team has 15 guys who could make that play I mean, you know all the Buckeyes who could make that play. Clemson's got those same number of dudes who could make that play. Uh, which was which brings me to, I started the podcast by saying we were going to get to Urban Meyer today, and we are, but first let me tell you about Stover Farms Custom Meats, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell, home of the best quality and best tasting protein you've ever had, whether it's their certified Angus beef grown on their farm in Lexington or their poultry, pork, same non-GMO, no hormone protein. It is awesome. It's easy to get to. It's right off Sawmill. I think you turn at the Circle K, which is Presidential Parkway. You go down, they're open Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So you want to cook up some steaks for Saturday's game? Boom. Stover Farms Custom Meats. And the bonus, of course, is the Stover family. That protein, my friend, fed, reared, and raised Ohio's Mr. Football, Cade Stover, who someday will be talking about Cade Stover on this podcast in advance of a big Buckeye bowl game because he was Mr. Football and he's a Buckeye. He was a linebacker, but they love him at defensive end because he's a big, strong guy. And man, a couple season from now, you might be seeing Cade Stover and Zach Harrison getting after the quarterback when Chase Young is in the NFL. Even though Chase told me, and you might have read about it on si.com backslash college Ohio State, that uh, he still has some things to think about. I guess he has to think about whether he's going to buy a Tesla or a, a Bugatti. Uh, he still has some things to think about, and he and he's not sure if he's going to enter the draft. Chase, you got to enter the draft. He did admit, though, that he knew that the Redskins-Giants game was the chase for Chase. He said he only knew that because people told him. <laughs> but, but he laughed when I said, you know, that was the chase for Chase. He's like, yeah, yeah, I knew that. 
Okay, now to Urban Meyer. Today, media day, both teams bring everybody to the game. Uh, everybody to the, uh, to, the, to the Camelback Marriott. They're all there to ask questions, answer questions. Uh, so Urban Meyer's there because Fox is there doing uh, an on-site show, Fox and the Big Ten Network. So Urban is there, and, you know, what better authority on how to win a big game than there could possibly be than Urban Meyer? He says the key to this game, he's going to watch it from the sideline. First of all, the guy just, you could tell, he just is so excited for kickoff. I can't, now, number one, maybe I misread this. Maybe he loves being in the TV industry so much that he gets the same juice out of a game upcoming like this that he does coaching. I took his enthusiasm to mean that he, you know, he'd like to be in the middle of it. Of course, he doesn't have the headaches. This is, being a TV analyst is like being a grandparent. You know, your grandparent, the kids come over, the diaper's poopy, you hand him off to the parent. TV analyst, hey, you can go to the game and you can be involved in the game and you can sit and watch the film with the coaches and all that. You're not responsible for the outcome. Not responsible. The grandparents, they can give candy and, you know, you want your kid to eat gluten-free, don't send it to grandma's house. He's getting a sugary birthday cake. You know that's coming. But (laughs) Urban maybe loves the TV side, but he seemed really keyed up about this game, really excited about this game, and he talked about, I love his openness, uh, that neither one of these teams has any idea what they're in store for because neither one of these teams so far this season has played a team like the other. And the environment's going to be incredible. You know, just calm down and let, let them play. Because everything, imagine now, I'm used to playing somewhere I'm better than the entire year, and now I'm playing against someone that's as good as I am. And this guy's moving, as, he's as big and as fast as I am. So it's going to, same thing at Clemson. They're used to playing teams that aren't near what they are. So what decides it in that situation where it is the first time each has seen the other so, to that level? I mean, you're getting, this is one man's opinion. I would be, I'd try to get two first downs on offense. Every, just somehow get two first downs. And that usually tilts the field. Mm-hmm. And then you can you know, have to punt, punt it down there. Or now you're crossing the 50. Yeah. And you can take more shots. Yeah. What you can't do is be backed up. Does that make sense? Yeah. You can't be backed up. And then same thing if you're a defense playing elite receivers you haven't seen like this. Play a little more zone, keep the ball in front of you, maybe stay out of press until you start getting used to the speed. I think that's going to be sick. I, I can't wait. The first, I, I can't wait to watch those. Because I'm going to try, I'm going to be on the field watch. I want to watch their eyes. Because you can tell the coaches can see as they're coming off. This, this is... Uh... Yeah, this is exciting. This is what he was going to say there. He... Uh... Got pulled away and didn't get to spend a whole lot more time with us. But before he was pulled away, uh, Urban Meyer was asked about whether, and, you know, he didn't take umbrage at the question because Clemson has won two national titles in the last three years. They played for another title. They have sort of, well, not killed, but tamed the Alabama monster. So Doug Lamarice, Cleveland.com, asks Urban Meyer whether Ohio State, with all that it's done, with the smooth transition from Urban to Ryan Day, having lost three times to Clemson in school history, twice under Urban, 31-0 last time they played in the playoff, does Ohio State need to beat Clemson to send a message that it's on par with the absolute best in college football? Well, just the northern schools, you know, it's it's the only school, I think, oh, Notre Dame went last year, and obviously didn't play well, and the last time we were here, we didn't play well. So I think it's I think it's big. I think you know the whole perception. Sometimes perception is reality. 
and that's our job. Ohio State, not our job. It's Ohio State's job to, you know, make a difference. We did. We had our chance in the 16, didn't do it. We had a couple others where we were, for three years in a row. I think we were right. You know, some people, including myself, thought we should be in there, and we weren't. So All right, gentlemen, we got. Yes, gentlemen, we got to go. We got to get Urban away from you guys because we just—he's too fascinating to listen to. Man, is that guy fascinating to listen to? Um, yeah, you know, look, the Buckeyes have—they had maybe like a puncher's chance in 2016 against Clemson. It was going to have to be a night where Clemson put the ball on the ground and everything was going to have to go right for Ohio State. That's not the case this time around. These two teams are as even as they can possibly be. They both have lights out quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence is. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, nobody's ever rated uh, a recruit as high as Trevor Lawrence was rated. But Justin Fields was rated higher than him uh, by rivals, I should say. The rivals guy uh, had uh, Trevor Lawrence rated higher than anybody he's ever rated. But some other guy, I think ESPN had Justin Fields above Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence won 41 straight high school games before he lost in the playoffs his senior year. He hasn't lost a start at Clemson. He's 23-0 and as a starter at Clemson. Um, but Justin Fields, 40, inter- 40 touchdowns, one interception, 41. Uh, and talking to Mike Yersich today, Ohio State's quarterback coach, I said, what's the best trait Justin Fields has? He says competitiveness. He says competitiveness. He hates to lose. They play the old playground game, Foursquare, uh, on uh, like Thursdays after practice. And he said Justin Fields is relentless at that. He said he cheats too. But he said he just hates to lose. He hates to lose. He's got that competitiveness. Running backs, you know about J.K. Dobbins, the Clemson fans. They may not know about J.K. Dobbins, but they know Travis Etienne. 1,800 yards or so last year, 1,500 this year. He's got seven carries in the fourth quarter. Clemson's that dominant. They're wide receivers, both 6'4". T. Higgins, Justin Ross, phenomenal. Justin Ross like came out of nowhere last year in a college football playoff. They may have another dude that we don't even know about who they're going to emphasize in a game plan. And it might be their tight end, Braden Galloway. He got suspended last year. Before the playoffs, says he has no idea how the banned substance got in his uh, system. Mm-hmm. You want to believe that? You can. I don't know. It's a weird situation. But he's back. He's eligible now. He can play. Are they going to feature the tight end? They haven't all season, but that's something they haven't put on tape, and that's something that Clemson could probably use against Ohio State. Um, defensively, Jeff Okuda, Chase Young, All-Americans, Clemson, Isaiah Simmons, a crazy fast linebacker who they put on slot receivers. So they're just amazing talent all over this field. Amazing coaching talent on this field. Really have enjoyed the last couple days talking to Greg Madison about whether a guy who's 70 years old, who's coached as long as Greg Madison, does he have a really good feel going into games, what's going to happen? Or does he get surprised? He said, you know, the film will tell you what's going to happen. And I said, uh... Well, where are you vulnerable? I said, how would you even know where you're vulnerable? I didn't, I didn't say where you're vulnerable because he's not going to answer that question. I try to answer, ask questions that I know are, they're going to answer. So I said, how would you know where you're vulnerable if nobody's made you look vulnerable all season? Nobody's capitalized on any of your weaknesses. So how do you know they're a weakness? He goes, oh, you know. He goes, I know what our weaknesses are. And that's why we stack our scheme to take care of our weaknesses, which, you know, would mean zone coverage, and Urban talked about that in a clip I played earlier. Urban says play zone coverage early because everybody's keyed up. You maybe break on the ball too fast or too slow. You don't want to let somebody go to the house early because you're in press coverage. Um, this game, I'm just, I'm excited for this game. You should be excited for this game. 
And yeah, it's going to be a bummer if Ohio State loses this game because they are fun to watch. And they are within range, I think. Uh, and Chris has said all season long of, I think it's appropriate. You don't know if it's right or not, but it's appropriate to say that they are the best team in Ohio State history if they win the national championship at 15-0. and I think it's appropriate because they'd be the only team in history that's 15-0. and They would have beaten, what, was Wisconsin a top-10 team when they beat them in the Big Ten title game? I think they were. Penn State, Wisconsin, then Clemson, and Oklahoma or LSU. Four top-10 teams in their last five games plus Michigan. So how could you not say that? I mean, they just, you know, and I mean, if they win the next two by 10 points or more, they've won every game by 10 points or more. Uh, that seems a little bit too much to ask. I, <laughs> if you get out of the Clemson game with a one-point win, you say, okay, on to Baton Rouge for us. Uh, we are on to our review of the day. We want to thank Red Otter 98 You can review us on iTunes, and we hope you do because it helps us out a lot with our sponsors and also um, it helps us know what you like. Red Otter 98 he gives us a five-star review. Thank you, sir. Two days before Christmas, and he said, I have a funny spiel story, so let's get to the review quickly so I can tell my story. Great show with very entertaining banner between Spielman and Hooley. Great Buckeye insight, and Hooley's ability to tell it like it is with regards to the Browns is great to listen to. Now, the spiel story. About six or seven years ago, my wife was coaching middle school girls basketball. After the regular season ended, they played in a local tournament, as anyone that has watched this level of basketball before knows most games run longer than planned for. I arrived just a little prior to the start time. The game before is just starting the third quarter. I don't remember the schools, but one of them was a middle school in UA. You know where this is going. I don't remember the gym, but I do remember seeing someone sitting in the bleachers wearing raggedy-looking sweats uh, and what appeared to be slippers. For about five minutes, I laughed to myself about the fashion sense of this quirky person. All of a sudden, there's a loose ball during the game, and that person with the amazing fashion sense yelled with the loudest, most intimidating voice I'd heard in a long time, you better hustle and get after that loose ball. Once my pulse returned to normal, I looked to my right, and it all made sense. Spiels was watching one of his daughters play in the tournament. For someone that grew up watching him play on Saturdays and Sundays, it was exactly what I expected. Fully supportive of his daughter, not critical or second-guessing of coaches, just 100% intensity, and nothing but your best effort is acceptable. Yes! Nothing but your best effort. You know, he told me one time he coached girls basketball. This has probably been 20, 15, 20 years ago. And he said he loved coaching girls because they do exactly what you told them to do. They run through a wall for you. They do exactly what you told them to do. So, uh, I don't know if Dabo Sweeney and Ryan Day will get that same kind of cooperation out of their players tomorrow uh, night. Uh, but if they do, uh, boy, you know. We're, I'm just, this game is going to be something else, man. It is going to be something else. Now, four years ago, I got to tell you, when we had media day, that was my first indicator that Ohio State was in trouble because when Wayne Gallman and Jordan Leggett and Cleland Farrell and Dexter Lawrence and those guys walked into the room, and even Deshaun Watson, they walked into the room and you're like, Ooh, they just look like a little bit different kind of an athlete than Ohio State has. Now, Ohio State had good players. They had Malik Hooker. They had Marshawn Lattimore. They had Sam Hubbard. They had Curtis Samuel. 
Man, just the size and just the sheer physical impressiveness of Clemson uh, told me eh, the Buckeyes might be in for it. And of course, they were in for it. They lost 31 to nothing. So I thought today I'm going to go eyeball all the Clemson guys, and I really want to eyeball those Clemson defensive linemen, and I'm going to eyeball the Buckeyes, and I'm going to see what I think. Okay, here's what I think. Ohio State is more impressive looking just as an athletic group much more impressive looking now than they were four years ago. Much more impressive. Much. Not even close. I would say they are slightly, slightly in the big man category. You know, your lineman categories. I'd give a slight edge to Ohio State. Except for isolated Clemson guys like the mountainous man that is left guard John Simpson. Uh, an All-American guard, and their tackles. Their tackles are huge. You know, one of them, Jackson Carmen. The other one's a first-team All-ACC tackle, uh, who's a four-year starter. So they have dudes. But I'm just saying the sheer number of Ohio State guys, it seemed to me, uh, might have a teeny-weeny edge at some of the big-man positions in terms of big, uh, strong athletes. Don't know. Uh, could be proven wrong could be made up by what is sickening uh, talent at the quarterback position for Clemson, at the wide receiver position, at the running back position, and the same can be said of the Ohio State Buckeyes. I mean, it's just an amazing, amazing group. One stat that should worry you, I think, is Ohio State has allowed 31 sacks. 31. Justin Fields holds the ball a little bit too long, and I'm not sure Ohio State's offensive line, even though I've said Clemson's defensive line is not as good as it was, I don't think it could be with all the draft picks they had, three number ones. I'm not sure Ohio State's offensive line. I mean, Wisconsin sacked Justin Fields five times twice. Both times they got to him five times. So, you know, but Ohio State scored 38 and 34 points too. So it's not like he can't put points on a board getting sacked. I just think that this one, of course, is not going to be as easy as the others because the others were just ridiculously easy. However, to Urban's point about Clemson's not seen anybody like Ohio State, the highest-ranked defense Clemson has played is Texas A&M's. They're 31st in the nation. Ohio State has played five defenses inside the top 30. So those defenses would be Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin twice, and I am stuck. Oh, Michigan State. Michigan State. They would be. And, you know, everybody that Ohio State played against came into the game with a really impressive rushing average, and Ohio State ran it on them. Clemson has a really impressive rushing average. Clemson is number one in the, in the nation in fewest yards allowed. Ohio State is number two. Clemson is number one in fewest points allowed. Ohio State is number two. So Clemson's put up great numbers, but I do think they're in for a new challenge against Ohio State. If I had to pick a minimum number of points that would win this game, I would not be comfortable with anything less than 30. I would not be comfortable with anything less than 30. Ohio State's given up points more recently because the competition's gotten better. And we'll see how they fare against Clemson. Chatted with Mike Yursich, Buckeye quarterback coach today. His name's out there as taking the Texas offensive coordinator job. Uh, Yursich is not Ohio State's offensive coordinator. He's not going to be Ohio State's offensive coordinator because Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day share that duty. 
They could probably bump his pay. If he wants to call plays, he's going to go to Texas. I think today I gave him every opportunity to say he wasn't interested in the job, and he wouldn't say it. He just said, I'm not going to talk about it until after the playoff. I'm not going to talk about it until after the playoff. And I thought, okay, fine. I won't ask you three times. But ask yourself this question. If he knew he was staying at Ohio State, if he had no interest in leaving, wouldn't he know that now? Wouldn't he know that now? I mean, I think he would know that now. So it's possible they're going to be replacing their quarterback coach. Looks like Al Washington is staying at linebackers coach. Greg Madison uh, did not give me any indication that he's retiring. Uh, Even though he's 70 years of age, he said he's really enjoyed his year in Columbus. I said, you look weird in red, dude. I'll never get used to you in red after seeing you in Michigan blue for eight, like eight years, two different tours of duty, seeing you at Notre Dame and seeing you in that ugly purple of the Baltimore Ravens. I'll never get used to you in red. He said, you know, the other day I had something red on and my wife said, you look good in red. I said, yeah, well, you should have been here years ago. But uh, Madison's a good guy, and he's done a nice job this year. Jeff Halfley's off to Boston College and Ohio State. will find somebody else that they'll pair with Madison and uh, probably won't miss a beat next year, except, except enjoy this secondary, folks because I'm not sure you're going to see this secondary, any of them, to starters at least, next year. Okuda, no reason for him to stay. Jordan Fuller and Damon Arnett have got to leave, and Sean Wade is a very, I think, a very, very, very certain first-round pick at the slot corner position. Does he want to come back and try to win the Jim Thorpe? Eh, You can, but, I mean, Jeff Okuda didn't win the Thorpe, and Jeff Okuda's, you know, I, I... Kid who won Grant Delpit, the kid who won it from LSU. It's kind of LSU's year, but that's is it really worth it coming back for that? I don't think so. If you could uh, tear a knee leg, I mean, you're a first rounder, you got to go. Uh, speaking of going, Andy Dalton will uh, quite possibly, I'm not going to say likely, but quite possibly play his final game as a Cincinnati Bengal on Sunday at home against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Browns won the first one 27 and 19. Browns are 7-9. All bets are off in this one. I think the Browns are off in la-la land somewhere. Wouldn't surprise me if the Bengals bow up and win this game. They got nothing to lose, literally, because they're the number one uh, picking team in the draft, even if they lose this game. They've won the Joe Burrow sweepstakes or the Chase Young sweepstakes. So doesn't this seem like a foregone conclusion? When you stack the Browns' dysfunction and trip over their own feet penchant for uh, up against good guy Andy Dalton getting uh you know applauded off into the sunset of his Bengals career doesn't that seem like a Bengals win is going to happen on Sunday it does to me it does to me so I'm picking the Bengals in the uh battle of Ohio which nobody cares about the uh, battle of Ohio because both teams are dreadful and I'm calling it uh, by Monday afternoon at 3 p.m. The Cleveland Browns will be looking for a new head coach. I just don't see how they can retain Freddie Kitchens. I just, I just don't see how you sell that. I, I don't think you want stories written about, uh, they're keeping him because of this and this and this and this and this. Do they want to fire him? No. Do they need to fire him? Yes. When you know what you need to do and you're afraid to do it, You are wasting time until you eventually do what you know you need to do now. And you can't be in the time-wasting business if you're in the National Football League. 
Everything that Freddie Kitchens would have to fix as a head coach, the sheer volume of things he has to tidy up and figure out has never been tidied up and figured out by any NFL head coach or any cleaning company in the history of the world or any vacuum cleaner company. Dyson, Hoover, any vacuum cleaner company out there could not have enough, you know, whatever, to pick up all the trash that lingers around the administration of Freddie Kitchens. From his players berating him on the sideline, whether they're mad at him or mad at officials, from visors and watches and this and that mattering more than games and quarterbacks posing with tigers in their underwear. It's just dumb stuff continues to happen and will always continue to happen uh, with Freddie Kitchens because he's just not cut out to be uh, the captain of a tight ship. He's not. He's 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 the captain of the SS Minnow and Gilligan all at once. He's both. So, uh, yes, he's got to go. And I, I regret saying that because he seems like a nice man. And I thought he was a, did a wonderful job as offensive coordinator. He was just handed too much too soon. And the Browns are marking time. And it would be an outrage to their fans who have loyally supported them since 1999 to make them wait another day for the, now that they've presumably, and I can't say with certainty, but presumably found a quarterback, it would be an absolute travesty to make them wait another season or into the midseason of 2020 to fire Freddie Kitchens and bring somebody else in. Then you've wasted the entire 2020 season. So, no, it's not going to get better. Uh, he's not capable of doing this. Sayonara, goodbye. See you later, Freddie Kitchens. Um, Flashes of Fun is your... New destination for the greatest pictures you've ever had taken of your family, not just because of the quality of the photographs, but because of the price, which is considerably lower than you will find at any studio photographer. They'll come out, do your pictures on location, indoors, outdoors, doesn't matter, family, individual, senior pictures, prom pictures, pet pictures, a unique gift idea for a special occasion, sports pictures, you name it, Flashes O Fun will do it. Book online, save $50 on your booking fee, Flashes O fun.com and trust me you'll save hundreds if not thousands their pictures now up to six million views on unsplashed and one of their pictures was uh, trending on snapchat this week that somebody had used so their stuff is good and i tell them they don't charge enough but uh you can benefit from that by booking at flashes um i guess i should give a prediction on ohio state clemson uh, it'd be kind of uh a little bit uh, scaredy cat of me not to give a prediction on Ohio State Clemson. So let me think this through out loud here. I don't think Ohio State's going to be able to keep them out of the end zone. How many touchdowns do I think Clemson can score? I think Clemson can score. They don't have a good field goal kicker, so I think they're going to miss a field goal, maybe two. I think Clemson, they might hit one. I'm going to give Clemson... No, 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 no. Do I want to give him 31? It seems like a lot. 427. I'm going to give Clemson 24. Yeah, I'm going to give him 24. Clemson 24. I'm going to give Ohio State because they have Blake Hallbill. I'm going to give Blake Hallbill. What would 3 and 3 be? 
30. I don't think I'm going to score six times. So I'm going to say Blake Hallbeal wins it with a 48-yard field goal with somewhere between a minute and two minutes to go. And Trevor Lawrence, with Clemson out of timeouts, throws an interception uh, at the Ohio State 40 with with uh, under a minute left, with, uh, with under 30 seconds left. He throws an interception at the Ohio State 40. Um, I'm not saying Clemson's snapping it from the Ohio State 40. I'm saying that's where the ball will be intercepted in that vicinity. So, Hobbiel wins it. What did I say? 48-yard field goal? 48-yard field goal with between one and two minutes to go. The final score, Ohio State 27, Clemson 24 in an epic game. <laughs> For the ages, how's that? How's that? I I, I think uh, you know I'll, I'll commit to that. I'll commit to that for sure. Uh, speaking of commitment, uh, let's segue into a brief uh, faith element of the podcast here as uh, we get you on your way to your day. Uh, let's reflect on Christmas. I mean, just what an awesome uh, experience it was for me to be out here in Arizona uh, with my family, with my girls. Uh, with my nieces and nephews, uh, my brothers-in-law, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law. Um, you know, maybe I should wait a week to do the the 2019 retrospect, but uh, I'm just really grateful, you know, to um, to have experienced everything I've experienced in 2019. And you guys are a part of that. Um, I, um, I, I hope 2020's, you know, I mean, I hope it's better. Uh, from a, from a job standpoint, um, not going to lie to you there. I'm excited about some things that I'm hoping God will make happen in my life. So I guess I don't really have a whole lot of instruction other than to just sort of share, um, transparently with, uh, you and ask you, how about if I ask you to pray for me and to put down on this podcast today, uh, something that maybe we can look back on uh, sometime because I believe firmly God works uh, in my life. I believe he has worked in my life. I believe he's protected me. I believe he's uh, disciplined me at times. I believe he's allowed me to experience uh, some heartache, uh, some tragedy. Um, but he's always um, been waiting for me to run to him and to seek comfort and counsel and guidance and direction. Um, I said a couple weeks ago when I was thinking about um, the characteristics of God that are some similar to football players at certain positions and some uh, dissimilar to football players at certain positions. I said that I don't think God would be um, a very good, <laughs> that one of the traits of God is he doesn't have the traits of a good running back because, um, or no, he does have the traits of a good running back because he, you make up a lot. You make up a lot of distance with him after contact, like yards after contact are huge. The yards that I've made, the distance that I've covered in my life spiritually after I've endeavored to make contact with God through through quiet time, through Bible reading, through prayer, through contemplation, through seeking Him out, seeking Him like I would seek my keys when they're lost or my wallet when it's lost, not just looking but really ardently searching with urgency. Um. He's, he's never, he doesn't run away. He doesn't run away. He's, he's just an amazing, loving God. 
Um, and so, you know, in 2020, um, I hope I get a chance to make a greater impact in the lives of young people through uh, speaking engagements. I hope I get uh, an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of adults through uh, leadership opportunities, uh, leadership training, personal coaching. Um, I would love an opportunity to uh, interact with people on a daily basis, whether it's in a sales job, a marketing job, where I could represent people I really um, believe in, a product I really believe in, and give that person, that business, the best 15 or so years of my professional life that I have left. Um, those are my hopes for the coming year from a professional standpoint, from a personal standpoint. I want to grow um, more uh, reliant on God. I want to commit to spending quiet time with Him every day. I want to model um, the peace of Christ to my daughters. I want to be a better husband and appreciate my wife in every way. Um, and I just want to reflect uh, how good God's been to me because I don't think I can draw anybody to Jesus if I'm a jerk. And, you know, honestly, I've been a jerk a lot of my life, and I'm not happy about that, but I can't change that. I can only change what comes going forward. And uh, to those of you who have um, known me to be one way in the past and have given me a second chance to listen to me on this podcast, I just want to tell you how grateful I am for you giving uh, me a second chance. I'm not unaware of the fact that many of you listen solely because of Chris. So I'm grateful for Chris because um, he sees, um, has seen in me a lot of good that really has not been too evident to other people. And I don't, not even sure is really there. But uh, Chris is a guy who gives a lot of people second chances. I'm grateful that I'm one of those people. And I'm grateful for uh, this podcast. And we intend to continue doing this. And um, we hope that it's um, uplifting and helpful to um, some of you, if not all of you. Um, we, of course, talk Buckeyes and all that stuff. But uh, I hope you know from our end of podcast content that that's not what we deem to be the most important thing. The most important thing is being accountable to our faith. Uh, being accountable to you, being accountable to our families, and hopefully encouraging and inspiring you with the things that we talk about. And we want you to laugh and have fun too because you know life's too short not to have fun. So enjoy your Friday. I uh, hope you don't have to work. I hope you've gotten the week off between Christmas and New Year's. Um, don't know what my situation is going to be from University, well, from, it's not University of Phoenix State, but from State Farm Stadium on Saturday night. Don't know if I'll be able to do a podcast right after the game. I'll update you on Twitter during the game. I uh, hope you'll read my uh, Buckeye reporting at si.com backslash college backslash Ohio State. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed your Christmas with your family. And uh, I appreciate you listening very much. Have a great day. Oh, 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 oh,